Thank you for tuning in to the Ignite Your Influence podcast. I'm your host, Majesty Palm, blogger, influencer marketing expert, speaker, and founder of Ignite Your Influence Conference. On this podcast, I'll be focusing on how you can use your influence to make an impact. How will you ignite your influence? Hey guys, welcome to episode three of the Ignite Your Influence podcast. On this episode, we're going to be talking all about TikTok, Open Four, and so much more in a conversation with influencer Marche Robinson. And in case you're not familiar with Marche, she's an attorney based out of Raleigh, North Carolina. By day, she works for a pharmaceutical company, and by night, she runs an amazing blog called Robinson Style, where she shares content about beauty, fashion, travel, and career. And over the years, Marche has grown her influence and landed major brand deals with brands such as NARS, Walmart, and Dove, just to name a few. She's also been featured on Elle.com, featured in Essence, InStyle, and on Exo Nicole. So we're so happy to have her on the show today. Marche, what's up, girl? Hey, girl. How are well, you? Good. <laughs> I was actually going to say to you earlier, I just remember that on my look back today was a post from when I hosted this like bloggers like me meetup in Charlotte it was five years ago today and there's a picture of us from there and I'm like that's so crazy definitely a full circle moment <laughs> yes because we so the the, the take y'all on the road back to history with us um Marche lives in North Carolina I also live in North Carolina and she um hosted an event it was like a brunch right yeah and it was fabulous. So I guess today is the five-year marker flashback. How cool is that? I know. I was like, what are the odds that we're recording today? And this is on my look back. And so to give y'all some more history. So me and Marche both went to UNC Charlotte. And um, Marche was also one of my very first speakers for my Ignite Your Influence conference. She spoke at the kickoff year in 2018. So we, we go way back. <laughs> All right, so let me um, share with y'all a little bit about Marche. She's been blogging since 2011. She's one of the OGs in the game because I started in 2013. And when I started, you were already like that girl. So tell all the listeners, you know, what prompted you to get started with the blog? So I graduated from law school in 2010 and the job market was horrible. So I had been looking for work, finally found something in Charlotte, um, and it was something temporary, just like on a contract basis, moved to Charlotte in 2011, and I would have a ton of downtime. And so I had just kind of discovered blogging, and I didn't think it was really something I could do. I just, just liked following other bloggers. And I would constantly be showing like my mom and my friends and my other family members, like all these pictures of like clothes I liked online or like home decor. And finally, I think my mom was like, why don't you like start a blog? Cause I would show her these blogs too. And I'm like, what are you talking about? No. And she's like, well, you sharing with me. I think she was just sick of me sharing with her, you know? And she was like, share it with some, somebody else. So then I just like started a blog and initially I only shared like pictures from like the runway or like pictures of clothes I found online and just like the course of there was no Pinterest or anything like that. So you really had to dig to find stuff. And um, I just started from there and just being, you know, 
sticking with it ever since. Longest job I ever had. So that is so interesting. So basically, your mom is to thank for all this inspo that we get all the time. She's like, share this with somebody else. <laughs> yeah, like, like leave me alone. Go share it with somebody else. So I appreciate it, mom. Thank you. You know what's so cool, y'all, about Marche? When she blew up, she blew up. Like I remember. I remember you just like being on Fashion Bomb daily, like three times or more. I just remember it just was like when you were on, you were everywhere. Like it was the coolest thing. <laughs> Let me see. I appreciate I appreciate it. That was a good time. I missed like when Fashion Bomb Daily was like online and it would get like a ton of cause they would definitely rip you apart in them comments. So so I would appreciate it, but I would also be scared. Like, please don't let's say nothing mean about me. I really Let's, can't handle it. You know why they were saying mean stuff? I was thinking back to that. I'm like, Fashion Bomb Daily, when around the time we were featured, mm-hmm. people could just have screen names, but it did not be like, you really don't know who they are. So right. they could be like internet bullies because it was no way to really track them back. Like if someone right. says something mean in the comments on Instagram, like you can go to their page and find them. It would be like, Marche, I don't like that color on you. And I could be like, Hot Girl 99, but you don't know where I am. Right, right. One time I got this one comment though, and it was like, "Ugh, she looks like she just stepped out of J. Crew ad." And I was like, "Well, damn. like I don't know if that's supposed to be an insult, but thanks. Like I appreciate it. Like I think it was supposed to be me to this. I mean, but to this day, I felt like it was a compliment. So I appreciate it. So like, yeah, that was definitely. I mean, when Fashion Bomb Daily would feature you, it would drive so much traffic. So it was, it was great. Like definitely a great. I do owe a lot to Fashion Bomb Daily. I will say. Fashion Bomb Daily, I got featured over the, in my early vlogging career, three times. And like you said, it was just like, you felt like a celebrity moment. Like, oh my God, Claire yeah. picked me. Oh my God, I'm, you know, the bomb of the day. And same thing, somebody was mean to me. I'm going to hurt my feelings so bad. Somebody in the comments, I think I had on like, you know how you have like a backless dress and you get the like, sticky, yeah. sticky yeah. bras that don't have no support. It just like kind of covers stuff up. <laughs> some sticky bras that weren't supportive and someone was like oh her bra is so ill-fitting and then all these people jumped on the bad rat wing and like yeah she her cup size is way too big for the, and i just i was like why are we talking about my boobs like, can y'all so, take my post down please i was so embarrassed <laughs> <laughs> so and then after that though I went and got measured and got fitted and nobody could ever call it my bra ever again so thanks to thanks to the bombshell the day <laughs> that but on the note of you getting started um you know I feel like you've always been someone that put out quality content and the same way your followers can notice that brands notice that too so flashing back do you remember when you first start getting attention from brands and like picked up your first campaign yeah so honestly Okay, so my first brand campaign was for $50 with Harrods in London. Like, I mean, to, like, to think back, I'm like, I know y'all had a budget, but you know what I mean? I accepted my $50 because that was nobody had offered to pay me anything. So like, that was my very first campaign. And it was probably like a couple years into my blog. And I wasn't like, so I would say like, I was still just sharing images. So it was, I think I just made like a collage and stuff. Like I I was learning, I was like teaching myself Photoshop and everything. And um, I think like when I really started getting consistent brand work though, was actually not that long ago. Like it was, I would say it was probably like three years ago. And it was when actually my husband at the time, my boyfriend, 
was my photographer. So he, as soon as we started dating, he was like enthusiastic and took over taking my photos because my little brother used to do it until he went to college. And so I, w I wasn't able to like consistently post photos, like outfit posts of myself because I was trying to see who could take photos of me, trying to schedule photographers and everything. But when he came aboard and he was consistently taking my picture, because obviously we were with each other all the time, that's when I feel like I started noticing that like consistent brand work come through because I was able to really like pump out the content. Oh yeah. So I would say definitely like three years ago, I, I was starting to notice. Let me give your husband then boyfriend props because y'all, yeah. y'all <laughs> pictures, it's a whole mood. Like you have an aesthetic that's so just you. Like if you look at your pictures, it's so like breezy and effortlessly and your style is so nice that it doesn't seem overdone. Like you just have a vibe and he, his point of view from shooting, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, I've never seen anyone have a feed that looks like yours. Like he, y'all are the dream team together. So I appreciate it. And if you ask him, he will tell you his rule of thumb is to take 800 photos. Cause I'll, he's like, you'll chill like at least 10 of these. He's just like snap, 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 snap. He will tell you his no, that's his strategy. Okay. If you ask him for advice, like people are like, can you give him, can you give me tips? I'm like, get a nice camera. And he says, take 800 shots and you will get the you will get the money shot out of that <laughs> that's so funny i i try to beg or bug is probably more the appropriate word my husband did shoot me here and there and i know i get on my nerves so i know it's always like a temporary ass and he said like i'll get a shot and i'll get a shot i like he's like okay we're done i'm like no we need a few more options he's like we're done because <laughs> my my rule of thumb is i like to have like at least eight to ten because i like to do like a little less than that for a blog post and then you know if I want to put it on maybe like Instagram and Facebook or something like that then I won't have just like the same image I try not to use the same image on all of them just so you know people on the different platforms can feel like they're getting something unique so I try to do that but sometimes I'm like this is probably just going to be three shots that I want because I, I could just tell it's just not, I mean, I can just, at this point, I think we are a well-oiled machine. So I can tell if I'm going to love like 20 photos or like three photos and then we just make it work. You know? Yeah. You know, when you have <laughs> a good day, you know, when you just have a not so good day, it's amazing. But your, your photography is always beautiful. Y'all the dream team for sure. Um, so when it comes to brand deals, I know you say you started with $50 being your first pay. <laughs> Honestly, I think mine was very low too. And I think that. I want to say it was 125 for me. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, you would thought I, you would have thought I was getting a million dollars because it was like, mm -hmm. hold on, I'm getting free stuff and getting paid. Like, right. like it was a big deal. But now we have more understanding about worth. We have no understanding of the value of the influence that we bring to the table. And I think you have a leg up on everyone because with your attorney background, you are, I'm, I'm sure, very comfortable negotiating. So when it comes to rates, can you give any tips to the listeners on just, you know, if you feel like you're getting offered a rate that isn't really meeting the value that you bring to the table, any tips on just negotiating your worth as an influencer? Yes. Yeah, so I definitely think number one, always go into any negotiation knowing what your bottom line is. Like um, you should know like, okay, I'm definitely not taking less than this. And I mean, granted, there are times where I've 
taking campaigns just for the product because it's a product I really want and I know I'm not going to buy it. So like the Dyson air dryer, hair dryer, I mean, like I took that campaign and it was just for trade and I was perfectly fine with that because I'm like, I'm not spending $400 on a blow dryer, but I really want to try this blow dryer. So like, I'll do that. But I knew going into the situation that I was perfectly fine just accepting the blow dryer. And um, you have to go into the situation knowing what your bottom line is, one. Two, knowing what work is going to go into something. So like, for me, there are hard costs. Like there's cost of photography. Yes, my husband takes my photos, but he's also an attorney. He also is an entrepreneur. So the time he takes to take my photos, that time is valuable too, even though he's not a professional photographer. So photography, or there may be a time where I have to hire a photographer. I'm going to have to pay for that. That's a hard cost. Any props, or maybe I buy a certain outfit because the client wants a certain color story like those are all hard costs that I have to factor in because I still need to be able to pocket some money at the end of the day but then there's also like these call things that you provide value wise that you cannot really I guess put a value on like one as black influencers we tap a market that a lot of these brands are not tapping so just having a majority black audience you know that offers a huge value to a company that you can't really just say oh that's five hundred dollars or whatever i mean you know you can add a value to that but that's something that is very very valuable to a company that um is not necessarily a hard cost also like the time i spend like creating like a creative direction or you know creating a strategy for how i do these things so all of that factors into um, my cost. Also, how large your audience is, how much engagement, and not just your followers, but like how large your reach is, how many impressions you have. So for me, I break down all of those things and how much those things I feel will cost for a campaign. And I go into it my bottom line. And obviously, I'm going to ask for more than that because I want to give myself room for negotiation. So never go in at your bottom line, you know, um, because you're probably a lot of times going to have to meet in the middle or compromise. And if you know, there's an amount you definitely cannot take lower than, then you don't want to go in at that amount. Um, be prepared to say, these are my hard costs and this is what I need for, um, you know, X, Y, Z. I've seen a lot of different people say um, different things. They tell you don't itemize what you're providing. Me personally, in my industry, we, ask for itemized um requests like in the pharma industry so it's just something that's like ingrained in me so i don't mind going to a brand and saying okay so for my twitter like you're gonna need i'm gonna charge you this like for my facebook i'm gonna charge you this you know if you want to own any of my images then i'm charging you xyz per image if you want exclusivity then you're gonna have to pay me for that because those are brands i'm turning away during the exclusive exclusivity period so i break it all out yeah. And I honestly think for me, it's been helpful because then a brand might be like, okay, so you charge this much per Instagram post. Well, instead of three, like, let's get two. And I'm perfectly fine with that because I'd rather, you know, give you the, um, get the value for my work, you know? So for me, I think breaking everything out has been very helpful. And also, um, having a community of bloggers you can talk to. So I didn't realize I was 
undercharging. And I mean, we'll, I'm sure we'll get into that with open four, but like, I didn't realize I was being underpaid for certain things until I talked to another blogger who was on the same campaign. That's like, girl, you better ask for like three times that much. Like, and I'm like, what are you serious? So, I mean, definitely having people who can be sounding boards for you to say like, no, this is way below, you know, what you should be charging. And that's giving me the confidence. And also speaking of confidence, my last tip is have the confidence to walk away. And um, I do think that's the beauty of me having a day job. I never feel pressure to take any campaign because I, I know I can eat like if I don't book a campaign. So for me, it's like I only work with brands I genuinely love. And I'm only going to work with a brand who sees my value. And I'm totally fine with saying like, you know what? Um, this campaign is not going to work for me, but let me know about the next one. And sometimes they come back and magically have the money. And sometimes they don't. And I'm perfectly fine either way. So I love that because like you said, like I work full time too, you work full time. And I think to your point, when you have multiple streams of income, it allows you to be really selective for multiple reasons because it's like, I, I don't have to compromise and take lower than my worth because I can still pay my bills. Mm -hmm. And then I think it also just, it allows you to really be selective with, you know, to your point, this is going to take time. So because right. I also work, I have less free time. So also, if you're not going to pay my worth, do I want to invest the time in creating this beautiful story for you? So I love what you said with, I think, you know, where a lot of people really push this, oh, entrepreneurship, I also think there's the benefit of when you do this as um, a side business, because it is a business, um, the beauty in having options of, you know what, I can pay my bills this month if I turn this down, mm -hmm. um, if they don't see my value in it. So I do see the the, the benefit in both sides for sure. Um, and for, yeah. And I feel like for everyone, like something I've said before, and I've posted this on my feed, like anytime I've ever compromised and gone lower than I feel comfortable with, I always regret it. Like I always, and like my husband even laughs sometimes because we'll, I've taken campaigns before where like, I know I should have taken more money or walked away. And maybe I took it for whatever reason. Cause I thought, Oh, I really want to work with this company. I've never worked with them before. Or like, this is a new agency I've never worked with before. So I really want to take this campaign and hit it out of the park. So like I'm on the top of their list and I will literally be in the middle of shooting and be like, but why did I take this campaign? Like, I'm so frustrated. And he'll just laugh. Cause I'm like, it, it never fails. And like, I always say like, the juice is never worth the squeeze in those situations. So like, if you ever find yourself compromised, I promise you it's not worth it. Like, yes. And I've said that too. Anytime I've turned down a campaign, I, I promise you within the next week, I've booked more campaigns wow. for more money. Like I feel like when one door closes, like another door opens always. I'm a firm believer in that. So definitely just walk away from like situations you're not valued always. <laughs> That's so good. And I think that comes with time too. Because I think at the beginning, um, I know for me, I, I felt, you almost feel like lucky at the beginning. Like, oh my God, the brand notices me, right? Mm -hmm. I have to work with them. And I think the more you get into it and realize, you know, this brand noticed me. So they obviously like what I can bring to the table. And then you kind of gain some confidence um, where you can be a little bit more selective. So I love that. Because at the beginning, I found myself like, oh my God. They want to work with me. And I'm just like saying yes to everybody. And now to your point, we we know our worth. 
And to your point, you kind of get this gut feeling where you're like, mm, they're lowballing me. Yeah. <laughs> you got to know that, okay, I'm going to counter offer. And if they don't meet me to where I feel like it's worth it, to your point, do I believe in my own value enough to walk away? And to your point, if you walk away, that frees up your time for something that you probably are really passionate about, an mm -hmm. opportunity for you to get paid your work. So I think that's great. And what I also love, in addition to just like your fashion posts, your travel posts, you really touch on a lot of these tips um, on your blog. So, you know, if you all want to read more information like this from Marche, make sure you check out her blog, Robertson Style, because it's, it's got so much good stuff on there. Thank you. And one more point I do want to say, because I feel like we need to, we just need to touch on this just because I thought about it. But like, because I feel like something I honestly learned and read about through negotiating my salary and my day job, we as like black women and like just the black community in general, we tend to have baggage around money that like other communities don't necessarily have. And what I mean by that is like, like our parents generation a lot of time they were raised to feel grateful for jobs and grateful to just get paid to do something and a lot of times we are sometimes taught that granted my dad always taught me like you're the most special snowflake ever so like he never taught me like that he was always like whatever like they should be like so lucky to have you so i don't have that baggage as much as as some people but we tend to feel like we are ungrateful if we ask for our worth. And it's like, no, you're not asking for this. I mean, you're asking to be paid your value. There is nothing wrong with that. And that's what you should do. And I'm telling you, no one else has that problem in other communities. They will ask for their worth. And I'm like, if you do your research and you know that you're being lowball, you should ask for your value. You know, and um, a good tip that someone wrote, like one time I read was like, sometimes you need to step out of yourself and pretend like you are negotiating for someone else because we tend to like really advocate for other people. But when it comes to us, we just don't. So um, that's just like one last tip. But also like recognize if you have that baggage around money or how you were raised to think about money. And sometimes you need to address that because it can come through in your negotiation. So, and that I will say, take that also to corporate America, because we need to be negotiating our salaries there as well. Yeah. And I think, I think I love what you said about just black people, even historically, even almost in addition to this, we've been taught to be grateful for any type of compensation. Mm -hmm. We've also been taught sometimes like generational scarcity. Like if I don't take this money, when's the next time I'm going to get some money? And it's right. like, if I turn this money down, like it's almost this like a desperation um, of if I don't get this, when is my next one coming? So I love that, you know, we, just to really assess, we have value. And if you, and it was hard to really assess yourself that way, I love your tip with, you know, what would they pay someone else? What would they pay someone else with the same amount of falls I had? What would they pay? You know, I love that because sometimes you're right. We can get in our head and be our hardest critic, which can make us not see the value we bring to the table sometimes. So mm -hmm. Oh, that's a great tip. I'm glad you added that in. That's great perspective. Um, so speaking of um, just content and influence, you know, as influencers, I'm sure you all know, TikTok is all the rave. And, you know, TikTok initially, I felt like was for the babies. And I was like, I'm not good on TikTok. I refuse to get on TikTok. Um, then the quarantine happened and I found it to be a place of so much entertainment I love the dancing videos. I love the pet videos. And I started following Marche on TikTok. And her content is so satisfying to my soul and so entertaining. 
So I really wanted to just dive into Marche and her joining TikTok. If you're not following her, like it's such a treat, guys. So, <laughs> so tell me, how long have you been on TikTok? So I think I made like a couple videos around February, but not seriously. Like I was more so just trying to figure it out because I just felt like it was so confusing. So I was like, let me make a couple of these videos. And they were very like, I put no effort <laughs> into them, to be honest. And then like the um, quarantine started and I want to say, and then my little brother who's 11 years younger than me. So he's like prom TikTok um, demographic. He quarantined with us and then I started making them and like making him do a couple with me. So I would say like consistently around the end of March. So I would say like almost four months ago. Okay. And that makes sense because in North Carolina, for, for, you know, for people who don't live in North Carolina, end of March is when things got really scared and people won't leave in their houses and we were on full lockdown and nobody was going anywhere. Right. Um, and that's really when I fell into TikTok too, because I'm like, I was so intimidated. Like you said, to me, it was not something you could just jump on and jump into editing. Like I had to figure it out. I had to look at YouTube videos. I was like, am I aged out of this? I can't, <laughs> I could not figure it out. Um, but then it's like, when you do it, it almost is like addictive in, in a source of just like, oh my God, this is so fun. This is like nothing else. Mm-hmm. So... All this happened in, in quarantine. Your brother was able to kind of show you um, um, some of the, 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 the ropes and everything. But I feel like in this four months that you've been active, I feel like you have gone from zero to 100. So tell me a little bit about, like, what have you seen with your growth? What have you seen with your following? Because I, like, blinked one day, and I'm like, you have, like, you have, like over 10,000? I'm like, what? When yeah. did this happen? I check, like, I, let, me, let me look, because I check it all the time. I'm... Honestly, one thing I never said, I am addicted to looking at analytics. So like I'm constantly looking at analytics on my Instagram, on um like on Facebook, on on TikTok. So so yeah, I'm at 23.2 right now. So oh, let, in, y'all, yeah. oh, listen to that, y'all. In four months, she is at 20. I can't even fathom that. So so tell us, you know, some tips on in four months. How do you think you grew to that number? Like, what are some strategies or things you're doing that you feel like people are responding well to? Okay, so this is what I try to tell people um, based on what I've read and based and what I've seen for myself is number one, just start. So I see so many people like, I have a TikTok, but I don't know where to start. I'm like, look, if you're thinking about it to the point where it's preventing you from posting, you're overthinking about it. Like my first videos and some of these I still post, they're nothing to write home about, but you know, you never, I will say I have videos where I put like time and thought into it and a lot of work and like Michael, my husband like recorded them and maybe they're like a few thousand. And then I have videos that like I shot on a whim and they're like at 200,000. So I'm like, you just, you just have to throw it out there and never like one thing I read was somebody was like never delete a video because the thing about TikTok is like certain hashtags can start trending and they'll pull your video it like all of a sudden like I'll just randomly have an old video that I did that all of a sudden just has like all these new likes and views and it's because a hashtag maybe I used has started trending so wow um speaking of hashtags I think like when you first start, I would say just post period, like try to post once a day. So when I first started getting serious about it, I posted at least one video a day. 
um, because you want people to see like, oh, if I follow her, she's going to post once a day, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, another thing I would say is always check the trending hashtags. So like they change pretty much almost every day. And I do notice that some people just use the hashtags, even if what their video is posted about <laughs> doesn't relate. I would not recommend that. I would say, you know, take a hashtag. So let's say like there's a home gym hashtag. Like we recently converted half of our garage into a home gym. So I'm like, okay, I have clips of that. Like, let me make a little montage and I'll hashtag that. So try to figure out if you already have content, like video content um, or any sort of um, photo content and see how it can tie into a trending hashtag. For example, one hashtag I see trending every now and again, like on repeat are travel memories. So like a lot of us have videos that maybe we made for IGTV or just for our page and you can create a cute little travel vlog. Like I've created travel memory vlogs from trips from like two or three years ago that we took. Um, so there's always that. Also um, for TikTok sounds, those also trend. So you can look up a certain song that is trending that everybody wants to use or like a certain like uh, skit sound. So for instance, my most watched video is one I did recently about like North Carolina cities. Like I just did it. I like randomly had the idea and I did it. And it's a sound that has been around actually since March. So it's not a new sound, but it's a popular sound that people use. And they use this sound for different skits. Like they might use it for sounds. I've seen them use it for like astrology, like just different things. But I thought like, oh, a North Carolina city one would be a unique way to use this sound. So it's a popular sound, but I'm putting my unique spin on it. Uh-huh. And like now it's it's like at 650,000 views. So uh-huh. it's like definitely gone. I would say viral. it was like viral on Twitter and like all these. That's another thing. Share. I would say for TikTok, share your videos on other platforms. So like that, I'm almost like a little bit frustrated with myself about that one because someone else shared the video on her Twitter, on her Twitter and it like blew up and people thought that it was her in the video and she tagged me like, no, I'm pretty sure it's this person in the video. So now I'm like, okay, Marche, whenever you post a TikTok video, you need to share it immediately on Twitter because that's a way to pull people in from Twitter. And also I share on my Instagram and at first I was like, oh, should I share these videos? Like, do people care? But now I think people on Instagram love the videos too. And it's just like another, like, cause I didn't do that much video content. So it's just like another, um, a different type of content to share. We're all at home. We all need to laugh cause the world is crazy. And so I think like that definitely worked out. And I mean, I really can't say, I think also, I guess another tip I will say is, don't feel like you have to be in a certain like niche in um tiktok because when i first started i was like oh i have to all i just have to post like fashion and beauty because that's what i post on my instagram and if people are going to want to follow me from tiktok to instagram like they're not going to want to they're going to be you know wanting the same content and that's not true i rarely post fashion or beauty like centered content i do try to wear like unique like I do try not to wear the same outfit a lot or like wear looks like on the TikTok and I think organically people will ask where the clothes are from or I'll mention like go to my Instagram to find the sources of these um pieces and also like with beauty like people will ask questions and I'll direct them to my Instagram 
So it's kind of like inadvertently, I am posting like that type of content, but uh-huh. I really focus on like the dances, skits, or any type of challenge. And I think it's been great because it's given me a new way for people to kind of get to know me because I think Instagram has become so curated and I even fall into that trap where I want things to look a certain way on Instagram and I don't have that pressure on TikTok. And um, I think like like people from Instagram will go follow me on TikTok because it's like a different um, type of content that I normally post and vice versa. Like people from Instagram, I mean from TikTok, definitely come to my Instagram, but the growth on TikTok is not like Instagram. There's no algorithm like on Instagram. And I think currently I, I grow at like 9,000 followers a week on TikTok, you know? And I mean, I'm not growing, I'm growing like a few thousand a month on Instagram, but I mean, I'm growing more in a week on TikTok than on Instagram. I'm sure eventually it will surpass um, the amount of followers. So I definitely recommend getting in now while we're all still pretty much quarantined and just like having fun with it, posting whatever you like and just seeing what people gravitate towards, you know? Yeah. My favorite content that you do on there are the skits. Like that North Carolina content, especially because I'm from North Carolina tonight, the way you matched up the characters with the cities, I was dying. Like it was so, and so- I've lived in all those cities. I was like, I was born in Greensboro. I went to college in, in Charlotte, went to law school in Winston, like have lived in North Raleigh, live in like RTP area. So I was like, I know these cities. I mean, granted, obviously it's a generalization, but it was funny because people were like, those cities are not like that. And I'm like, look, it's just, a, it's just a joke. But yeah. I did, I have lived in all those cities, so. No, it was so good. So guys, if you're not connected with her, follow her on TikTok. And I, and I agree with what you said with, it just is it's so different than Instagram. If you approach it with an Instagram mind, it, that won't work. And I think what's been refreshing for your followers is they can get that curated feed, fashion, booty on Instagram, but on your TikTok, it's like skits and dance. I'm like, I didn't know Marsha can dance. So you kind of <laughs> open up like a whole new level of almost like carefreeness where people yeah. connect with you in a new way. It's so cool. Um, what I also read up on TikTok, which is really neat, the same way you're like, later on videos can be popular. Mm-hmm. A lot of musicians are like, I made a song so long ago and now mm-hmm. it's trending. Like yeah. this, her name is Natalie Taylor. And she has a song yeah. called Surrender. And on all the like- oh, that, that song, listen, now it's gonna be in my head for the rest of the day. Cause I see it all the time on my feed. Every video that's about to make me cry. I was like, what yeah. is this song? What is yeah. this song? And so I like Googled it. And I read her story and it was so neat. She's like, she wrote that song four years ago. Yeah. And she's like, now it's like got the most streams to the point where like she released it and now has released a remix because it's now popular, more popular than it was when it launched because it had that kind of emotional pull. But Mm -hmm. on both sides of the business, it's like TikTok, old or new, if it's good, it's good. And, And you can blow up out of nowhere. So I definitely think guys, we are both in our 30s and are you know giving it a try so don't let you know don't let if you're not a teeny bopper um be you know a deterrent this starting because everyone is consuming it everyone is loving it so jump in take this time don't quarantine to start because also it's another way to monetize i know a lot of brand campaigns now are interested in tiktok content so i do think it kind of feels like to me like when youtube first started people were scared but the people who got in early are the ones that made great money on youtube 
it feels like in our industry, those who are early adopters now will be able to really monetize before it becomes like a Facebook, like kind of like before it gets really, really seasoned in there. So mm-hmm. definitely follow Marche. She's doing her thing on there. And last question about TikTok. So if you all didn't know recently, TikTok crashed and people had meltdowns. People had meltdowns and they thought it was going away. So, so Marche, what was your response uh, when TikTok was having technical issues recently? <laughs> I mean, it was so funny because I posted this and that was so chill. I mean, I'm normally type A, but like with situations like that, I just always try to remind people like we don't own TikTok. Like we don't own Instagram. You know, like if they want to shut, I mean, TikTok could come by and this happens a lot. They could take down my most liked video. I don't know if it would keep my likes, but they could easily just shut it down or, you know, or anything like that. And the only thing I truly own is my blog. So um, to me, it's just like that reminder that like you'd have to put effort into what you own because you don't own these um, these different platforms and these apps and the social media child. And so like, I was like, you know what? I'm, I honestly, obviously I love making these TikToks and I will continue to do them as long as the app is up. But I more so was like, if anything, it has just taught me that like video content is something I should be doing more of and definitely put time in. And, you know, my followers on Instagram um, respond well to. So if anything, I was going to continue to do video content. I would just have to do it another way. So mm-hmm. I was kind of just like more chill about it because I'm like, well, I feel like I've gotten a lot of value out of it so far. And if it goes away, I wouldn't be happy about it, you know, but it was also just like, I mean, you have to pivot. Like if you're a business owner, you just always have to be, you know, mindful of, you know, what can happen, always be prepared and always be ready to like pivot if, you know, you lose an, um, a certain lane, I guess. Just be ready to go into the next lane. It's yeah. kind of like my... Because to your point, it's like we manage our blogs, but Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, all of that. I mean, because I know in the past, Instagram has gone down. People are like, oh my God. So those are good good reminders to be like, hey, these are ways we get the word out, but Mm -hmm. we always have to make sure our content really is on things that we control. So speaking of Instagram, I was going down. Um, you know, you have an amazing Instagram feed. You share amazing content and info on there. Um, and, and I, you know, personally have been just really impressed with your feed feels like pre-quarantine. Like it feels like you haven't missed a beat. So for everyone um, who may be struggling with keeping content consistent, can you share any tips with the listeners on how you've been able to stay consistent with sharing on Instagram during quarantine? So I think number one is that I genuinely am passionate about creating content. Like, you know, as you said, I've been doing this a very long time. And back when I first started blogging, there was no, there was no influencer title. Money was not really getting thrown around like that. And really only in the, I said like recent years, I would say last year was the first year where I made enough money to be like, oh, I could leave my job and do this. Like this could be a career. So up until that point, um, I was doing it because I loved it. I wasn't doing it because like, this is, you know, my form of my sole form of income. And so my thing would be to like, always 
do what you're passionate about. If you're truly passionate about blogging, those days where sometimes you don't like want to create content, like you can find, like you can, you have to just find that passion. And sometimes you lose that spark because I do think like some people start blogging because they're passionate about it. And then they get caught up in maybe comparing themselves to other people or get caught up in like, why am I not getting campaigns? Or like, I see this blogger getting paid. Like, why am I not getting paid? But like, you have to remember why you started. And if you truly started because you love fashion or you love beauty or whatever it is, food, whatever you blog about, then you just have to reconnect with that. And also like, don't feel the pressure to constantly be churning out like content either. I mean, a lot of people have lost their jobs. A lot of people are still protesting. Like there's a lot going on. I mean, we have, you know, people who are sick or people who have lost loved ones for coronavirus. So like, I feel like it's perfectly fine to be like, I don't want to create content right now. Like, and that's fine. Like, don't feel like you have to, um, to create content because I think people can tell when it's not something you want to do. And I think, um, to me, quality over quantity, like post which when you feel like you can post and when you can post something of quality and I feel like people will respect that and also don't like try and completely ignore like what's going on I mean I try to always constantly even when I'm posting try to like acknowledge everything that's going on and not just have like be tone deaf I mean I think that's the biggest thing like don't ignore what's going on or maybe you know use I mean highlight black you know, designers. I mean, there's so many people I feel like have their their eyes open and their walls open and ready to support black businesses. So like, you know, take maybe what your normal content is and highlight black creatives or, you know, just find, you know, a way to share what you normally share, but, you know, I guess just tailor it to what time, the time that we're in. But definitely don't, I don't think there's like a right or wrong answer. Um, I just know for me, I'm just super passionate about it. Obviously, it helps my husband's my photographer. So we live together. So, you know, we can take those pictures. But um, yeah, like, and don't feel bad about being like, you know what, I need to figure out how to work this tripod. My last few campaigns, I shot with a tripod because my husband was working. So I mean, it can be done. And you know, you just make the best of it. You know, it's really all I can say and just commit to quality. You put up like a sheet behind you. Like I saw mm -hmm. I said, Marsha is making it happen. Get that background paper. You know, there's photo companies online where you can get photo backdrop paper. So, um, you know, make it work. You know, you can make a little vignette in your house. You know, we, we painted the garage white. It helps with the light in there. I highly recommend. And, you know, we take pictures in the garage. I mean, you know, you do what you have to do, you know. I love it. I love that. I love that just really being true to the passion and being true to if you're not passionate knowing that to your point instagram is something that you're in control of unless you have a brand campaign so mm -hmm. the pressure to like oh i gotta post i gotta post like honor the the authenticness i think comes with you honoring if you really feel like it people can feel to your point if it's just like oh she just wants to post every day versus right. she's posting something really good and mm -hmm. speaking of you posting you said something so good about us really highlighting what's going on in the world. And I really respect that you have really used your influence to shine light and advocate. Mm -hmm. Look at your stories, you know, I always can find the latest. I can always find the latest on social issues. I can find the latest on fashion. Like you, you definitely use your platform to bring light 
to what's important to you. And I think it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And one thing that you, along with um, other creators, um, a, a team of eight creators recently created a page on Instagram called Open For, really to bring light to a lot of the current issues that are going on. And so Marcia, can you tell people, you know, in addition to your fashion and beauty content about what you and the other creators are doing um, with the Open For initiative? So um, I guess for people who aren't familiar, Four is a very large marketing um, company um, or agency, if you will, um, that works with brands to help find influencers to be talent for different campaigns. And um, we've actually, I will say, even though this is a recent thing, like Open Four is a recent thing, these conversations specifically about four, but really about the industry as a whole have been happening behind the scenes. Uh Um, But four in particular, um, I guess I will say was a cause of of this or discussion (laughs) discussion, because um, we started talking amongst ourselves, like maybe some years ago, noticing a trend where black influencers were not getting paid as much as other influencers or we were noticing campaigns where maybe there's only like one or two black influencers and the only time we would notice a campaign that was like truly diverse was maybe for like a hair care campaign and we're like look we can do more than just hair care like you know you know we're more than just like a natural hair campaign there's so many other campaigns we can be used in and um a few of the ladies in Open Four were also part of Four's freshman class, and they had shared for some time that the experience was negative and wow. hadn't really, um, I guess, they never really expounded on it at all. Um, but, you know, we knew it was negative. And with everything that started coming to light, like after the murder of George Floyd, and then we had, you know, there was a lot of protests and a lot of companies kind of being called out um, about lack of diversity, we noticed that four was being very, very vocal about how they were at the forefront and how they value diversity. And we're all looking like, what? Like, no, you don't. So, I mean, you know, it was, it was definitely one of those things that was a long time coming. And I think it was the perfect storm of people being, feeling that there was a safe space where they could call out these companies and say, look, you're not giving us the same amount of opportunities. You're not paying us what we're, you know, our value. Like we know, um, as we highlighted in our our open letter, we have an influencer in Open Four who was offered significantly less money on a campaign, even though she had around the same amount of followers and she had significantly more engagement. Wow. And, you know, we wanted to do this because we wanted to say, you know, you can't pretend that you care about diversity when one, your company's not diverse. And two, we know that you started this for freshman class campaign to, you know, um, you say to basically celebrate diversity and give, you know, certain bloggers opportunities that don't necessarily get an opportunities and then completely drop the ball, never follow through on your promises for freshman class. And even worse, use that model to really pitch your Sephora squad, which is what you wanted to do. So not only do you not care about diversity, but you're exploiting the diversity of these influencers. And lastly, like, 
you have no diversity in your campaigns at all. So we're just like, you're saying you're celebrating diversity, but everywhere we look, there's no, mm-hmm. like, you're not backing these claims up. And um, we, you know, published the open letter asking, you know, that they answer these different questions, which we didn't feel were difficult because mm-hmm. one thing Ford does is they always highlight how they are super data driven, that they're the leader of the industry. And still to this day, like, let me look at my watch. They have yet to respond to a lot of the questions that we have, which they should be tracking. I mean, as an influencer company, how are you not tracking the diversity on your campaigns? Why do you need to look and crunch numbers to figure out if you're having diverse campaigns when you're posting that you celebrate diversity and that you're a leader in the industry? And um, I was honestly very, very taken aback and saddened when I saw so many black creators that I know and some that I don't know, but I follow, I know saying, oh, I've been on the platform for two, three, four years and I've never had one campaign or I was offered a campaign and they, you know, lowballed me so, so badly. And I'm like, oh, so this really is an issue. Like we knew it was an issue, but once we, I feel like the floodgates were open and we just started hearing about so many different issues with the company and so, yeah, it just kind of, like I said, it was like the perfect storm of just like us coming together and saying like, okay, now's the time, like they need to be called out basically. And I think, you know, I'm so proud of y'all. And, and another one of the founding members uh, is Valerie Govin, who she also has spoken at Ignite Your Influence. Love her, I love her heart for advocacy. But I just think you all just were the trailblazers to start the conversation because if we're all honest, people have been thinking this for some time, but it was like, no one, no, you almost don't know, is this just happening to me? Is my content not good enough? And then that, like, honestly, when I saw the open port four page, it really made me think I was like, you know, personal. I'm like, I've been a part of force 2017. And I feel like I produce quality content. I haven't been given the opportunities that I think I deserve. And it's very interesting, the timeline, you know, if I'm keeping all the way 100, I just recently got a campaign from them, Opportunity. And yeah. I'm like, so now, now y'all see me, right? I've heard, I've heard as much from people. I've heard yeah. they're still being lowball though, but I mean, yeah. who am I to say, you know? Yes, but it seems, it's kind of a weird feeling. Like it's a, a it, I, I feel very torn about it. Like it's like, oh, you see me now, right? Like, mm-hmm. right, you see me. But then yeah. it's like, why did it take, I mean, if I'm honest, yeah. open for to call y'all out. Why did it take, for George Floyd to die, I mean, if we're honest, right. and, and to, for all this movement to, to make you see me, and I've been on your platform since 2017, so it almost right. feels like a burnt offering, if I'm, it feels yeah. like, I'm happy you see me, but wow, I, I, I have taken note of, you just have now noticed me, so I think, right. that's off to y'all, because I really didn't think about it until y'all started the conversation, and I was like, you know what, I, th- this is how, like you said, this is mm-hmm. happening. More than just y'all. So thank you for, you know, your involvement in the initiative. And, you know, if you are an influencer listening to this and you want to join the conversation and you want to keep up with it, definitely follow Open4 on Instagram. And that is O-P-E-N-F-O-H-R. And I will include that in the show notes and follow the hashtag as well to join the conversation because the ladies that are starting the conversation are really trailblazing work that are going to really change the narrative for all of us in influencer marketing if we're creators of color. So thank you for the work you're doing. Of course.
And to close, Marche, um, really in the light of the title of the podcast with Ignite Your Influence, um, I like to close by asking my guests just for advice from my listeners on any tip you can give them on how they can ignite their influence using their platforms to make an impact. Mm-hmm. So I just say, you know, always be yourself. You know, like I hear so much like, oh, the market's just so saturated, so saturated. And I was talking actually to my husband about this yesterday. And I'm like, if you're being yourself and you're talking about what you're passionate about and you're sharing something that you truly, truly are passionate about and you stand for, there's no such thing as oversaturation. Now, if you're trying to do what the next person is doing, you're trying to do that, you know, you, you're trying to follow somebody else, that is over, yeah, then you're right, it's oversaturated. But there's always room for you to be yourself. And I feel like everyone has a voice that needs to be heard. And I mean, I know starting out is very, very hard. I mean, for years, the only person that read my blog was my aunt. And like, she was the only one who read it, only one commented. <laughs> You know, but I like kept going and like, you have to truly, like I said, I really speak this, like you have to be passionate about what you're doing. And that passion is going to take you through nights where you're like, I'm not getting paid. Like, why am I doing this? Or like, should I give up? But like, if you truly love it, you truly are passionate about it. It should take you through those very, very hard times. And, you know, hopefully it won't take you a whole lot of years, but I mean, it might take you a year or two, but you know, I mean, it's definitely worth it. And like I said, everyone's voice needs to be heard. And there's no such thing as oversaturation when you're offering something unique and you're truly being yourself because there's no one like you. It's, you know, you're the only you that there is. So that's what I would say. I love that. I love that. There's space for all of us. There's space for all of us to make an impact. And um, I love the work you're doing. I love your contribution to the influencer community of color. (laughs) (laughs) um, Marche, just as a close, um, Mm -hmm. I'll have these details in my show notes, but if you can just share with the listeners where they can connect with you if they're not already following you. Okay, so you can connect with me on Instagram at Marche Robinson. It's also Marche Robinson on TikTok, on Pinterest, um, and on Twitter. Um, And also my blog is www.drobinsonstyle.com. So you can definitely connect with me there and you can always email me. I try to be good about my email. Don't kill me. I'm bad about DM though. So just email me. Okay. (laughs) That's it. So happy that you came on. You dropped so many gems. I love everything. I mean, you, you put me on game with TikTok. I'm going to try to (laughs) now be search the, the, the hashtags and giving me some homework to do. So look right on your feed. They have the trending ones right there, right at the top. So it's like super simple. I promise. Just have fun with it though. Have fun. I love it. I have some homework to do. So now if y'all see me doing some cool TikToks, you can thank uh, <laughs> for, for any success going for. But thank you all for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the conversation um, on this episode. We're closing our episode three and stay tuned for episode four. And in the meantime, I hope that you ignite your influence and stay safe. Thank you for tuning in to the Ignite Your Influence podcast. If you liked this episode, continue to listen, subscribe, and share with at least one person who can benefit. And remember, always use your influence to create real impact.